Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to The Headliners, the show that has comedians review tomorrow's papers so you don't, 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 don't have to. My name's Dominic Frisbee and uh, joining me tonight we have Diane Spencer. Hello, Diane. Hello. And we have Jojo Sutherland. Hello, Dominic. Put your teeth in. I will put my teeth in. It's because we have a, a Scottish lass that I went don't. That's, that's why I did that. But anyway, how are you both? I, well, I hope. Yes. Good. Great, and, and what have you been up to today? Sleeping. Sleeping. No. <laughs> well, not with each other. <laughs> We're comics. That's what we do for a living. Very good. Well, I hope you're suitably refreshed. And uh, before we come to you with our first story, we are going to go to the headlines and uh, let's see what they are. And we start with the Daily Telegraph, which has Z Zelensky, Ukraine will never join NATO. That's a story we'll be covering. It also has kleptocracy unit to uncover Putin's wealth in London. I imagine there's quite a lot of it. And also, Nazanin released by Iran believed to be close after talks on £400 million debt and nuclear deal. Wow, that's an awful lot of money. We turn to The Independent, which has a Russian rebel journalist freed by court. That's a story we'll be covering in just a moment. And also, Zelensky, Ukraine must accept it won't join NATO. On to The Guardian, which also has Ukraine's NATO concession as airstrikes batter capital. And after six weeks, hope that Iran... After six weeks, after six years, I ho hopes that Iran will release Zagari Ratcliffe. On to The FT, which has West turns up heat on Moscow with moves against oligarchs and military... And we also have Lottery Licence Award triggers fears over Czech winners' Russian links. We'll be looking at that story as well. On we go to The Times, which has Zelensky, we can't join NATO, and war refugees head for new lives with British hosts. On to The Express, hell on earth, but glimmer of hope for peace. The sun is next. Chelsea with a US dollar sign where the ski of Chelsea used to be. Uh, Trump's UK ambassador in £2 billion swoop for blues. The Metro has you're not blinging anymore. <laughs> Jolly funny Mr Metro. And finally, we have Daily Star. Brothers in arms, mission imposter. Where does it find these stories? Lookalike President Zelensky escapes Ukraine thanks to lookalike Putin and lookalike Yong-un. I have no idea what that story is, but there we go. Those were today's headlines. And so we go straight away to our first story from tomorrow's Independent, Wednesday's Independent, and it's Ukrainian President Zelensky 
concedes that Ukraine won't be joining NATO, Diane. This is a fairly significant development. Oh, I mean, it's massively significant because this was one of Putin's demands at the very beginning, uh, about three weeks ago before he invaded, and it was sort of written down, Ukraine will never join NATO, and everybody sort of went, well, that is uh, up to the Ukraine, it's not to you, up to you. And um, now... Uh, President Zelensky has come out and said, no, we definitely won't be joining NATO, uh, even though they have asked for NATO to impose no-fly zones. So this it isn't, it's a very interesting development that he's come out and he's stated it uh, because... Um, was he denying it before, do you know? Was he saying, no, we might join... Was He, he was keeping his options open or was he just avoiding the subject? Um, well, uh, in his words, he said that we have heard for years that the doors were open, but we also heard that we could not join. So that doesn't quite explain how he feels about the matter. I mean, obviously, for, for Ukraine to become a part of NATO, I think they first had to become a part of the European Union mm. and they weren't a member of that. They were, they, uh, were on the pathway to it. Um, but because they're not members of the European Union, they therefore, because of the North Atlantic Council and how NATO works, they can't join NATO. And uh, with Russia kind of knocking on the door, uh, well, it's, yeah. just, it's be just very interesting. It, it, before the invasion, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Putin is in the wrong. <laughs> the, but before the invasion, you sort of think you sort of had a certain amount of sympathy with Russia because he because he was fearing this sort of build up of NATO right on his border. No, absolutely. That, well, the the whole thing with NATO, the the reason it came about was the sort of against Russia, and you know it did feel like they were moving the goalposts, and you know sort of. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any good guys in this, but you know, Putin certainly isn't one of them, and. But that Zelensky is now saying this, which you kind of go, oh, I, it feels like toddlers are sort of, you know, falling out. And you go, well, except it's much more serious than that. Could, please, could you have had this conversation at the beginning? This was kind of the crux of the matter, mm. was about the joining of NATO. And now three weeks later, and a lot of tragedy unfolding. And, and millions of people and, displaced. Yeah, and you know, not to mention the dead. Well, let's hope it works. Let's hope it well, works. Well, fingers crossed. Now, speaking of toddlers, have you both seen pictures of Macron trying to look like Zelensky? No. He suddenly, <laughs> he suddenly no. turned up to work with a, with a hoodie, with this, like the French paratroopers or something, and he's like wearing T-shirts, and there's, he's had all these photos of him taking sort of looking rugged and dynamic. <laughs> as though France is being invaded. What? No, is he all trying to be all cool and trendy? He's, he's trying to be just that. He's clearly got massive Zelensky envy. Anyway, right, we move on to Wednesday's Times next and the journalist, I'm going to enjoy saying this, Marina Ovzyanikova, who made headlines yesterday uh, after she photobombed the Russian news with anti-war messages. She was today in court, Jojo, and it seems, early days yet, but it seems she's got off fairly lightly. Well, we, we see that on the face of it, but is that the way that that's going to proceed? Because there is a, an intimation due to Putin putting in this new 15-year for spreading fake news that they could re-arrest her and find her guilty of misleading or fake news. Um, again, I mean, I 
Presumably they'll re-arrest her when she's not quite so on the headlines. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, she did disappear for a few hours and people were wondering where she'd gone. But again, that seems to be a sort of thing with putting people disappear. That tennis player, remember? Have we found her? Did we find the tennis player that disappeared? No, I don't I know. I thought it was a Chinese Yeah, it was a Chinese tennis player. Oh, sorry, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, same yes, methods, same different same. empire. Oh, yeah, different. <laughs> same but different. But yeah, people just disappearing and we don't ever get to the bottom of it. But, um, I mean, I admire her bravery because she's been working for state television. She herself has said that she now has incredible guilt that she'd been you know, sort of being part of the propaganda. There's a lot of people standing up now and protesting and, you know, wanting their voices to be heard, which is proving to be more and more difficult. Yeah. But the idea that you can't say something or, or protest and that she is potentially threatened with 15 years in jail is terrifying. Yeah, incredibly brave, given that she's got two kids, perhaps even verging on the foolhardy. Yeah. But somebody's got to do this stuff. You know, well, we're in a conflict and somebody's got to stand up and fight and... Yeah, you've got to have principles, you've got to you know, have the courage of your convictions and things don't change by sitting down and doing nothing. It's just, it's just a shame that she didn't kind of make friends with the graphics guy. Like, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like, somebody would have seen that in the office. They'd have yeah. been like, what the hell is Marina doing? Yeah. <laughs> she, what, what do you yeah. mean, have we got a Sharpie? Yeah, we've got lots of Sharpies. <laughs> what do you mean? A, A2? I, we don't I have any to, A2. Do we have any to... A2 paper in the office? We've only got A4. And it's, in, it's a sort of mixture of Russian and English, isn't it, as well? Yeah. So, I once um... did a, an act that was all signs, and I can tell you, I speak from experience, it takes a long time to draw up. That's half an hour's work in that sign, so I'm... it wasn't a sort of spontaneous thing. I'm not... <laughs> yeah, it took a half hour. I'm not, like... Because it's it's a very important issue and uh, it's amazing. It's it's just interesting that so many journalists have started to sort of move away from the Russian mainstream media. It's mm. just a shame that they haven't moved away altogether to make like a really kind of powerful protest. Like instead, I mean, it looks like desperation because she's kind of just running around with this just yeah. mad bonkers homemade sign in the back. And that might, and that is, if you kind of look at the emotional side of it, what has driven her to do something like that in a country like that where the ramifications can be Maybe. massive that, you know, mm. so if you're that desperate, then you do desperate times, desperate perhaps, measures. call me a cynic, maybe she just wants the attention. <gasps> She's Ooh. a journalist after all. Right, Wednesday's Guardian is next and the UK <laughs> is to have a new lottery provider, Diane. He changes the subject quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, King Arthur is spinning in his grave like a tombola because Camelot is losing the licence to run the UK lottery. Camelot has had this licence uh, for 28 years, lucky number for some, um, but now it's going to have to give its licence over to a rival called Allwyn. <laughs> I wish. So uh, Allwyn is currently Europe's largest lottery owner and they're going to take over the running of it. Now, initially there was a wee bit of a Excuse me, because the guy, uh, Carol Kummerek, who is a Czech billionaire who owns Allwyn, um, does have some uh, assets in Gazprom, uh, which is obviously the Russian... Major oil, state-owned oil company. Yeah. yeah, and we've got a lot of oligarchs being... You know, mm. so it's like, well, wait a minute, is this guy part of Gazprom? But um, the Gambling Commission is uh, competent, uh, 
confident, not competent. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if they're com competent. I'm sure it's perfectly innocent <laughs> and there's no dodgy dealings. Why on earth would they well, be? Well, I mean, they've said that they're sure that uh, it doesn't affect any of the sanctions. And uh, plus this guy has said that he is going to donate 30 billion to good causes over the next decade. Um, and Camelot managed to raise 45 billion uh, for good causes over sort of three decades. Yeah. So when you look at it decade for decade, Alwyn's projecting that they're going to do something really amazing here. Because a lot of people obviously get funded by the lottery. <laughs> you can always fund com comedians. I was, I was just going to say, I've, my Edinburgh show is <laughs> a very good cause. It's interesting <laughs> that they're going to that 30 billion, but also mm. talking about reducing the price of buying a lottery ticket back down to a pound. So yeah. they're minimising their income. Presumably that means reducing the winnings as well. I don't know. Well, maybe. Yeah. But then isn't that the whole point? Is it's meant to be a sort of sideways charity thing that you think that you're doing yeah. something good with I once heard it described winning as, something? Yeah. I once heard it described as tax for the stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the, Thank you. <laughs> but you're one of the I'm stupid. one of the taxpayers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I looked at this all-win panel. It's a pretty impressive team they've put together. Sir so Keith Mills, Brent Hoban, all sorts hmm. of VIPs. You can't just throw out names without saying what they did. For those of you who don't know, Sir Keith Mills, he appears to have been the brains behind Air Miles and Nectar Cards. Really? Fabulous. Yeah. See, I've never got Air on board with these loyalty cards. I have them all and I collect them, but I don't actually know how to use them. <gasps> you I should go into a shop and see really? what you can... You, could, you probably own a whole Boots just, and you don't just, know it. Do, they don't work. They don't. They I don't, don't think work. They, they change I, the goalposts. They just... I've Don't just go never. I've definitely. Yeah, I've tried to get into these loyalty schemes Keep it and that think. Way. Keep but, it that way. Take yeah. my advice. I'm not using it. Right. Wednesday's <laughs> Telegraph uh, is next, and uh, I always suspected Scotland as a backward country, and it is. You still have mandatory face masks, Jojo. Now remember, you're not allowed to swear. <laughs> <laughs> it might explain why I'm in London, though. <laughs> Um, oh, here we go again, backtracking, moving the goalposts, face mask, whatever your thoughts are, are on them, fine. But, um, yeah, Sturgeon's blamed a recent surge uh, in cases on the, why she's backtracked on them being uh, not made mandatory for Monday. So there's going to be another couple of weeks, even though, you know, the face masks down south haven't been used and there's been no change. And I think it has a real sense of just being seen to be doing something because actually she's not doing very much in, at all. Um, and it's that thing of just, there was something she said that really irritated. Miss Sturgeon said that while it spreads more rapidly, there is no evidence that it caused more severe illness. So, you know, and the, the, the pressure on hospitals, um, there was 1,996 people in hospital on Monday with recently confirmed COVID-19, up 191 on the previous day with 33 in intensive care, up six. But compared to what? Because we never get given those figures. We're just given this blunt instrument where there's no comparison. And, you know, she's saying this, the strain on the health service, and but the strain on people not being able to access health services because these, you know, punitive rules and things keep going yeah. on. And I don't really see a genuine reason for it. Yeah. It's upsetting people and mentally distressing people. I've always found the Scots um, very courteous people, a very respectful people, and also a very prudent mm. people. And it uh, disappoints me that she has so little 
faith in the ability of her people to do the right thing. Well, it is. She has to issue these mandates. It, what, what, you, pick, you, you Give us your thoughts, Diane. Well, um, she said, uh, Nicola Sturgeon said that there was a new subvariant of the Omicron strain. Um, what's it called? Back to. Well, back to. <laughs> it's not the Delta Crom. No, which it's a, it's a, it's sounds a to me a bit like Cronut. Mm. But if there is like a subvariant, then surely we should sort of know about that. And uh, maybe it's the Scott Scottmicron. It Could probably like is. That? We seem to have like a different a special uh, one. Yeah. Scotland has its own COVID, but it is frustrating, and it's frustrating for businesses. And again, it is treating people like children. And if people wish to continue wearing masks, then you know, nobody's, nobody's telling you you have to take your mask off and never wear it again. People are free to carry on, but it should be a choice. Absolutely. Now, this is a bonkers story that we covered last night and not bonkers in a good way. It's in the sun and the story's developed. A serial killer has been targeting homeless people living on the streets of Washington and New York and a suspect has finally been arrested. And this, the, the mad thing about this serial killer is that he, he's killed five so far, but he's attempted to kill a lot more and has failed. He's, like, shot them and, and only got them in the arm. And, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, um, I mean, it's bonkers. So this story uh, is in The Sun, and uh, a suspected shooter accused of targeting the homeless in a spate of attacks has been uh, arrested because they launched this manhunt. And um, what... Instantly, I'm brought back to uh, Jack the Ripper, oddly enough, because I've been listening to this fabulous podcast uh, by uh, somebody called Hallie Rubenhold. And uh, she actually, uh, through her historical analysis, found out that Jack the Ripper always targeted homeless women who were sleeping in doorways. They weren't all prostitutes, as painted in mm -hmm. the media and the, and the films. And, um, and it's just so disgusting... I can't even begin to imagine what is behind the mentality of somebody who picks on someone who is already cold, mm. possibly hungry, definitely without a home, sleeping on the street, and he goes to kill them or attack them. I have, I have no idea what's going on here, and I'm just so relieved that the police have actually got this person, and it's a... a you know, it's a, it's a bit of closure. It, it's great. I mean, if if this is the person, because let's be because you know, before we jump too far, a suspected shooter uh, has been arrested. But let's hope so. The guy does fit the description they put out yesterday, which mm. which one of our guests was, was complaining about the description. But anyway, we won't dwell on that. Okay. Um, uh, have you got any thoughts on this? Um, okay. I just think it's interesting. I mean, awful. I mean, you know, uh, uh, just. Insane. An amount of people thing. who are already, like you say, in a really awkward, difficult position in life, but also not helped by the fact that the authorities, whilst trying to stop them being murdered, are also aggressively campaigning against them and arresting people and clearing them out of subways um, to a life, you know... Yeah, they were being advised to stay off the street. Yeah. They're homeless. I mean, How absolutely. do you stay off the and, street? And being arrested for being on the streets. And you just think... It's just a, a, a mass of chaos and, yeah, nobody seems to care very much. Right, well, we've reached the end of part one. We're going to take a break now. Join, make sure you join us for part two when we'll learn about extramarital affairs in the police. See you in a moment.
Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Dominic Frisby. With me tonight are Diane Spencer and Jojo Sutherland. And let's crack on. Um, we'll crack on with a Telegraph story. Women are turning to the black market to get their HRT, their hormone replacement therapy, Diane? Well, um, there was a big sort of public campaign about the menopause in November 2021. And a lot of women went, yeah, this is the year of the menopause. Yeah, we should be open about this. And, it, and it's OK that I wake up in the middle of the night with joint pains and, and I'm hot sweating and I can't think and stuff. I need to get help for this. So all of the women have gone to get help for it. But unfortunately, uh, there's not enough HRT. So um, menopausal women are being forced to try and find their MRT, uh, HRT in the black market, which to me is incredible because it's like you associate the black market with kind of guns, drugs. Yeah. Where is the black market? Well, you've just got, you know when you get those like um, news shows, where uh, news like features where you've got somebody in a, in a hoodie, yeah, like, oh, them. internet hackers. Yeah. Well, now when you switch it on, it's going to be like a 45-year-old woman in a bunny onesie going, have you got any HRT? <laughs> to like her mum's net group. Um, but that's in the back what's... office of the dark web. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, well, one of the biggest... Um, users of the darknet marketplaces in America, certainly before cannabis was legalised, as people who were trying to buy cannabis for medicinal reasons, mm. you know. Well, uh, that's the thing. I mean, this is th this is driving it. But people are going to pharmacies and they're saying, look, have you got any out-of-date HRT? Because it really has a massive effect on you. Can you imagine trying to do a drug deal when you've got brain fog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's difficult enough because you don't want to feel ripped off. But I, these... was, I was walking home from the tube last night in a, it's a shadowy road where I walked home and somebody went, HRT. <laughs> I mean, the very idea of a menopausal woman trying to do a drug deal is in itself probably an Edinburgh show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> very good. So let's move on to our next story. This is a bit of a nuts story, Jojo, from The Times. Nottingham University has withdrawn its offer of oh. an honorary degree to race star Tony Newell because of a report he wrote. Yeah. So he's gone Tony in... Tony Sewell. I don't know why I said Newell. I beg your pardon. Tony Sewell. Um, yes, he's uh, he's written a paper. He's researched. And um, people get very cross when people go and do research. It's this new thing. It's actually quite an insult that people... If you heard people going, oh, do you research? Like, that's a really awful thing to have done, to have educated yourself and got yourself as much information as you can about a certain subject. Seems to be kind of a, a put-down these days. And so, you know, he... I mean, he's a very kind of um, lauded uh, person in, in his field. And so the fact that he's done this research, uh, he's to chaired the commission... report on discrimination. Of dis yeah, so he's, the, he's chaired the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. And um, he runs a charity called Generating Genius, which it helps black children to get into higher education. Um, and he's accused universities of, you know, sort of um, stifling free speech. But, I mean, he's spent his life work helping, you know, the race relations. And so this report basically said, as much as we're not post-racism, um, uh, we're not a post-racial society, that there was no evidence that this country was institutionally racist. And so 
there's been a lobbying group and a reaction to that. The university didn't like that. The well, the students at the university didn't like it. And so, so <laughs> someone who's done the research and come and had these findings has been challenged by people who haven't done the research and said there is institutional racism and just will not accept his findings. And because they won't accept his findings and essentially accusing him of being racist, they have withdrawn the offer of this honorary degree. And quite rightly, Tony Sewell said, you know, if you're going to offer something and then take it away, you can understand taking something away from people like Bill Cosby or, you know, R. Kelly, people who subsequently are found out to have done something awful. All this man has done is done some research into a problem and found it not to be as big a problem as was first thought. The noisy minority, it seems that it's rather like Twitter. <laughs> yes. Make the most noise win. Well, um, they, um, they said that it's because it's a public ceremony and they would give him his degree in a public ceremony and they didn't want to do a public ceremony where there could be potential problems. Like, because a couple of their students are going to turn up and heckle. It's like, mate, we've all dealt with hecklers. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, I just like man up, grow a pair, whatever. Well, that yes, is. exactly. But also, <laughs> is that just again kowtowing to to be seen to be doing the right thing and not all trying not to upset, trying not to upset and anyone whilst upsetting everyone. Well, exactly, and ending up doing the wrong thing. Yes. Why right, don't we go to the Telegraph and Have sexual violence and cancel culture at Westminster School, Diane? Yes, so um, the £41,000 a year Westminster School uh, commissioned an independent in investigation into uh, sexual violence and they found out that pupils kept quiet because they feared being cancelled by their schoolmates. Um, so pupils who raised concerns that they had had sexual sort of uh, interaction with other pupils, um, were scared that basically the others would say, yeah, well, I bet she wanted it, in a nutshell. And those who were being accused of doing sexual things um, were instantly cancelled by their friends and ostracised whether they had been found guilty or not. Um, now, this is just... It's, it's a bit nuts to me uh, for several reasons. Uh, one is that a child thinks they can be cancelled. Mm. No, my darling, you're, you're, you're a child. You can't, like, I think you can cancel yourself. You can't be cancelled, but it, it's all about ostracisation and all about being shut out from your social group. And if there are just sort of accusations flying around, because they are kids and there's going to be misunderstandings, there's going to be vindictiveness, there's going to be moments where somebody loves somebody and it's not reciprocated and the whole I choo choo choose you doesn't happen and somebody gets their heart broken. It, it could have fed into this report. But I, I think it's very strange that this school have decided to commission this report and then publicly come out and said, we would like to apologise for everything that happened yeah. to you at school. Yeah. I don't know about you, but school wasn't great for me. A lot of things happened to me at school. I got into a fight on a bus. <laughs> Nobody's ever apologised to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, I know that it's important to look after children. I used to be a secondary school teacher. This seems a bit intense 
Do you not agree? Well, I think it's a, it, it strikes me slightly odd because the, sort of the investigation finds that pupils were worried about reporting harassment um, for fear of how they might be treated socially. But surely if you're reporting something, you're not standing out in the playground and going, I've been sexually assaulted. You are going to a position of person of trust yeah, but everybody and reporting. Because they will talk. Everybody knows. Well, not if you keep your trap shut. No, 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 no. Good. Everybody knows. As soon but as you how? see somebody go in, you would know. You'd but be you... like, oh, no, she was talking to blah, blah, blah. Schools are massive gossip ponds. Hmm. Don't hire people who have had extramarital affairs, <gasps> the police have been advised. This is from Wednesday's Telegraph, Jojo. Yeah, busy bobbies. <laughs> um, yeah, again, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like, you know, that fine line between obviously taking precautionary methods and making sure that you are employing people who are of a good calibre and trustworthy. Uh, but the, 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 the way that this sounds is that the intrusive measures in order to, that, to find that out um, seems to be being a little bit too intrusive. I mean, I don't quite know the... the um, they say individuals are attracted to policing because of power. Um, many of the people that are getting in can exhibit what they call red flags, and red flags can go down to extramarital affairs. And that the idea that somebody's had an extramarital affair is a red flag and can be deemed dangerous, I think we're going a little bit crazy. I mean, you know, so... What I found quite funny was the way he phrased it. Michael Lockwood, the Director General of the Independent Office, said... We need to get rid of the baddies. The baddies, I know, the baddies. isn't it? What a great it's like, expression. He went, right, the goodies we need and to... the baddies, cowboys and Indians. We need to get rid of them. <laughs> when the people steal the pretty things, we're going to get the puppies and go after them in the woo-woo car. <laughs> it's a nice world view that people are still using the word baddies. Right, narcissism <laughs> next in Wednesday's Daily Mail. Now, do you have an excessive need for admiration? Yes. <laughs> Do you disregard <laughs> others' feelings sometimes? <laughs> uh, uh, do I have an inability to handle criticism? Yes. A sense of entitlement? Yes. Am I a narcissist, Diane? Well, like... <laughs> this is exactly the kind of article I love reading in the Daily Mail, yeah. especially because it's all about um, narcissism and dark personality traits. Um, so it's basically, are you a serial cheater? You might be a narcissist. And then they say that researchers have revealed shock horror, men with dark personality traits, including Machiavellianism, narcissism and sadism, Mm. are more likely to be repeated cheaters. Yeah, because the other three things are fine. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is that the Daily Mail writes articles like this, whilst when you look at the website, you can see a parade of narcissists <laughs> down the side, all sort of in, on Instagram of falling out of taxis and things like that. So I, th I think it's wondrous. But yes, essentially, um, they did this... Uh, thing where they, they discovered that um, they, they, they talk about narcissism and, and how you need to watch out and they give a list of questions which you very aptly did at the beginning and Dominic you are you are scoring so highly on this oh, test man. my darling you're doing brilliantly I passed the psychopath test as well <laughs> do 
hear no you, psychopathic. and you are so pleased. I'm like the least psychopathic person ever, but I'm... Uh, but I'm yeah, I'm you are the test. most least psychopathic person ever, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like you're the you can best find any it. test on the internet, can't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. To prove who you are or not. So, so basically, if you want to find out if your partner's uh, one of these people, just, just go to the Daily Mail. Uh, other, other symptoms include stroking white cats, uh, rotating in office chairs, <laughs> doing karate naked in the dark, you know, just... There's little signs. Yeah, having loads and loads of suits that are identical in the cupboard. That was one. <laughs> well. Also, have we given up on our instinct <laughs> to know when someone's a wrong un? Yeah, well, exactly. Wrong un. There we go. He's a wrong un. That's, He's a baddie. He's a baddie. way of viewing the world. Right, coming up, we've reached the end of part two. We're going to take a break, and then it's the best bit, part three, when we look at some of the more nuts stories. Why are straight women dressing like lesbians? How can great white sharks be swimming around the UK and how can you become an elite sleeper? Find out in part four. <laughs> Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Dominic Frisbee and with me reviewing tomorrow's papers, we have Diane Spencer and Jojo Sutherland. And The Times is next and uh, I'm very interested to hear your, the views of the panel on this one. First Texas and then Idaho have banned abortions after six weeks, Jojo. Yeah, I mean, clearly it, the Republican governor is following suit. Men are making decisions about women's bodies uh, again. Um, but the thing that's really concerning about this is, we were talking about this, is the idea that uh, people who have had an abortion and people who have provided abortions can be sued by parents, siblings, grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, up to £20,000 in damages. Each can sue. I mean, it looks like, I mean, just a hotbed of abusing a system which shouldn't exist in the first place. Yeah, you could also be, if you're a taxi driver, yeah. you can be sued 10 grand yeah. for taking someone to an so, abortion yeah. camp. Yes, it encourages a culture of yeah. spying. It encourages a culture of watching the movements. If you suspect one of your co-workers is pregnant, and you suspect that she doesn't want to be pregnant, and you sort of work out that she goes to an abortion clinic, and you, you, you can sue her, it's... And you can it's so yeah, bad. Yes, it's the so idea bad. that you're spying on people and there with must the be knowledge a, that you there can make money from There must be another side to it. There must be well, yeah, okay, well. Do you know what I mean? Must, but there must be a, there must be another side. There, is there? What's the argument for this law? Um, it's it seems to be very very religious. Yeah. Uh, it's based in kind of uh, there's there's a worrying idea that actually the whole of America is slowly going to turn this way. Um, mm. Yeah, on religious well, grounds, maybe really. Central America or Republic America. Right, let's not beat about the bush light, let Diane. Let's go uh, straight on and we'll go to Wednesday's Mail and the most underrepresented and overrepresented groups on TV. OK, so um, a report by the uh, Creative Diversity Network has said that the disabled and the over 50s are the most underrepresented groups on television, with gay people and ethnic minorities overrepresented. So uh, what they... There's a lot of people aren't going to enjoy that, that particular statement, are they? Well, I guess not, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a simple fact of what they've done. Uh, <laughs> they, um, uh, they did an analysis and they basically said that um, they looked at who makes up the workforce 
And then they looked at who appears on the television. Mm. And uh, this is how they've said that the disabled and the over 50s are the most underrepresented groups on TV, um, which is interesting because uh, the disabled people only made up 8.3% of on-screen appearances, whereas they make up 70% 17% yeah. of the workforce. 17% of the workforce is disabled. I mean, yeah. I guess defined disabled, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, disability is sometimes visible. It's sometimes not visible. Yeah. Um, uh, but my question is, what are these people doing on TV? Because you're looking at the workforce and they're working. But on TV, mm -hmm. a lot of the time, you're not working. Mm -hmm. You're selling shampoo. You're in Coronation Street crying and boiling potatoes. You know, it, 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 maybe it doesn't have to be balanced anyway. But I couldn't agree more. I think it's quite interesting because I think, um, you know, it's personality types that draw people into television or to acting or to stand up or performance mm. or, you know, things like that. that I think it's a personality type rather than a gender, mm. sexuality, skin colour type. Um, so I think in terms of how it's represented, and of course diversity is something that we, we all look at, but yeah, I don't think it's necessary. But I also, the, the fact that you have to do research when you can just turn on yeah. your telly. Well, <laughs> and just look at it. Yeah. The, the one interesting, I've done quite a lot of work on this, just wearing my writer's hat, my financial writer's hat. Mm. Do you know which is the most underrepresented group uh, in television? Ginger toddlers with one leg. Almost. No. Ugly people. <gasps> it, it literally doesn't matter what race, what okay. age, what sex, what whatever. But what determines yeah, but ugly? Is what this what determines what... ugly? Well, it's like the, the bottom 20%, and again, it's in the eye of the beholder. But it is. Guy you know, had... one person's trash is another one's treasure. Mm. So wait, I this... I think we can all agree that Brad Pitt is hot. <laughs> Right, let's move on onto the times, and I've always fancied being an elite sleeper, but unfortunately there's nothing elite about my sleeping because I do so much of it, Jojo. Are you an elite sleeper? I am an elite sleeper. I think as I've got older, actually, yep, I am. I'm Margaret Thatcher. I'm on to four hours a night, me. No, I'm like a cat. Like, there are, are cats who watch me sleep. That's where the similarity with Margaret Thatcher ends, by the way. Just <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, it is that thing where elite sleepers, they say that um, the very famous ones, Donald Trump, Tom Ford, people that agree, uh, achieve great things by sleeping less. But I think our is... own Nigel Farage might oh, be an elite sleeper. Really? Yeah, I, I talk about his habits and his late nights and his early mornings and I think oh, right, you're okay. an elite sleeper. But they're, they're ruling out the link now to sort of sleeping less with dementia and Alzheimer's. So Although Thatcher did get that. Thatcher did have, have dementia. But other people as well who don't necessarily... So doctors have always said that, you know, the perfect sort of sleep time is 78 hours. Mm -hmm. Although I have found in my lived experience that the more sleep I get, the groggier I am. And I do mean I'm knackered. So I don't know, sort of. You sound a like balance. you genuinely are an elite sleeper. Yes. Because they're saying that it's actually genetic. Because what they did was they bred mutant mice, and these mutant mice um, were had uh, natural short sleep bred into them. And the exciting thing is, is that if you get bitten by a mutant mouse, you get the ability to sleep for a less amount of time. You're very good at cheese, and you're very good at fitting into tiny holes. Mm. I mean, there are we... some people I, that don't sleep very much that so I would like to sleep more so they can talk less. But... <laughs> Other famous elite sleepers from history <laughs> include Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla and Leonardo da Vinci. So there we go. Right. Tesla, any uh, relation I... to Elon Musk? No, no <laughs> Elon Musk's company was named after Nikola Tesla, who was a famous... Um... 
Well, as someone who writes songs, I will say Dolly Parton writes some of the wittiest songs you will ever hear. And she continues to be a cut above your run-of-the-mill rock star. And yet she remains very humble, Diane. And this is from The Independent. Yes, Dolly Parton um, has been praised for her classy move to bow out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. Um, despite working nine to five <laughs> and producing album upon... I mean, God, that was such low-hanging fruit, though, wasn't it? Uh, it was good, it was good. And producing hour upon hour of fantastic music, she is not necessarily a rock and roll musician, and it seems to be down to genre. And Dolly Parton, who is, who is coming across as a deeply respectful person, has said... I've not made a rock and roll album. Her attitude is incredibly rock and roll. I've heard that she's covered in tattoos. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard this. I've heard that she's genuine. She's got like loads of little tattoos, but you could never see them, which is why she's always wearing long mm. sleeves. And her attitude has always been fantastic. Um, one of my favourite Dolly Parton quotes was, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. Yeah. I love that. You see, I disagree. I think she's at it. I think she's using reverse psychology and saying, no, 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 don't give it to me. No, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But then goes on to say, I do hope that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will understand to be willing to consider me again. So yeah, no, but she did say that. But she says when, she, if she does a rock and roll album, mm. she said said something like that. Yeah, because also like Eminem is nominated. Yeah, so, I mean these other bands, Eminem, yeah. A Tribe Called Quest, Duran Duran, Carly Simon, Simon. and mm. Beck. They're not exactly rock and roll, are no, they? Absolutely. But she's got loads of publicity from taking herself out of the running by so by default, well, kind of winning it. By default. She's very clever at doing that. Yeah. Our dolly. Right, <laughs> Jojo, I'm delighted to report that you have got the Big Baps story. <laughs> this is from Wednesday's Daily Mail. <laughs> I don't know how much of this story I can actually tell people because it uses language that I don't know if Ofcom allows, but you know people that go to car parks and get together with other people. Oh, um, yeah, every yeah. Wednesday, yeah. <laughs> so I, it's somewhere, <laughs> it's somewhere um, junction 25 of the M62 if you're interested. But there is a cafe called Big Baps, and they are complaining that the car park is being used for nefarious um, um, indulgences, and therefore their cafe customers can't get to them because of the people enjoying one another's company, and so that they might go bust. Now, I find that hilarious, because I would have thought they'd have been doing a roaring trade, because after that much physical exercise, I think people would like a little, a, a big bap of something or other. I mean, you know, people, they can't serve people in the cafe. People want to park up to get a hot sausage, and they can't. Because people have parked up <laughs> to get a hot sausage. Yeah, and apparently it's losing... What, I love this figure. It's losing £100 a week, week due to customers being unable to find a car parking spot. That's a lot of baps. Yeah. That's a lot of baps, a lot of isn't it? How much, I mean, but I'm surprised. I would have thought... I know, I'm a bit... T <laughs> you know. Right, The Times is next, and <laughs> on the anniversary of Julius Caesar's assassination... A coin minted by Brutus in 44 BC to celebrate that assassination has gone up for sale, Diane. Yes, yes. So, uh, the and they've gone with the wonderful title, Julius Caesar Assassination Coin is Worth a Mint. <laughs> well done, The Times. Very good. Uh, you will be at the level of the star soon. Um, well, so this is absolutely incredible. So this uh, coin minted apparently by Brutus... 
I mean... To celebrate his murder. <laughs> to celebrate his murder, Joyous. because obviously there was no Instagram. So how else do you commemorate... <laughs> I think we can see the image. We might even be able to see the oh, image Oh, could we, moment, please? That would be, be wondrous. Oh, wow. There we go. Look There's at Julia, you can see the knives. You could accidentally put that in a car parking thing, couldn't you, to get pay for your parking? <laughs> But I just, how do people put a figure of that amount onto a little bit of well, metal? Well, the, I mean, it all depends on, because the, the, they've already got the provenance of it. I mean, the sheer fact that it, it, it was minted by Brutus. Mm -hmm. So the actual person who killed Julius Caesar and then went, I've brought <laughs> out my do. commemorative <laughs> coin to celebrate myself. I mean, it's incredible, really. Yeah, um, and on, on that coin, there's a, there's a cap which uh, represents um, it's called the Cap of Liberty, and it represents freeing Rome from the tyranny of Caesar. And the Russian word, I'm thinking because of, you know, Putin and all that, but the, the Russian word Tsar comes from Caesar. It's the same, it's the same ah, word. Derivation. So, so Russia perhaps needs to find its own Brutus, mm. and we'll be buying the, the Russian ruble coin, celebrate, you know... I thought you were going to say, yeah, that, that yeah. they're going to bring out some kind of commemorative. This was the day we invaded Ukraine, yeah. boy. Oh, no, no, I was going the, the other Putin, way. I was saying... Right, I, yeah, OK. Yeah, no, Putin pound. <laughs> right, now, seagulls, uh -huh. apparently, uh, according to the mail, can remember fish and chip shops. Well, I find this fascinating. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of a seagull, and I've certainly been victim to being robbed by seagulls. But, yes, apparently the they have their own sort of inbuilt trip advisor where they remember their nice ones that they like the best. And so um, the British Trust for Ornithology has been tracking birds in Scotland and in, in some parts of England and noticing that they will deliberately fly back to a particular chip shop where they have enjoyed a rather tasty fish and chip supper. Mm, so they're bright, they are. I mean, mm. seagulls. They are men. You just, you can just be walking. I've had an ice oh, cream stolen off me in yeah. Cornwall by a seagull. Yeah, no, no. And they're spot. so big and they're so aggressive and they're such good flyers. They're beautiful yeah. to watch when they fly seagulls. Oh, they're incredible. But I totally, I, I do think that I might be part seagull because I can remember every single fish and chip shop that's <laughs> worth going to. Yeah, there's yeah, one yeah, in yeah. Weymouth and there's Palmer's in Yeovil. Like, I've got it. Well, well, certainly I, the ones I, that they keep going back to, and they, yeah, they have, they have got good, good taste. They've I live them. right by Broccoli's Rock, which has got the Evening Standard Best Chips of the Year award three years running. No seagulls. Oh, interesting. So maybe if if Broccoli's Rock really wants to go, yeah, they need to get yeah up its I up its rankings. Loyal customers and those like frequent flyers. They are. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> And so we go on to the Daily Mail, which explains, Diane, why straight women are suddenly dressing like lesbians oh, and dungarees. Yeah, so... A lot I, to dissect here. Oh, this is <laughs> like... Danger, danger like, I would say. <laughs> wander through a minefield wearing high heels. So a Vogue-approved author has revealed that why all straight women are suddenly dressing like lesbians. And this is because apparently, I mean, it's wonderful that this Vogue-approved author um, has uh, is talking for me. Thank you. Um, Jill Gutowitz um, has said that it's we're doing it because we want to feel comfortable and powerful. Uh, I just think it's a little insulting to everyone concerned, mm -hmm. if I'm totally honest. Um, I mean, thankfully, this is only one person's opinion. Um, but she's basically saying that if you enjoy wearing, for example, Doc Martens. Now, 
I have worn um, sort of Doc Martens, I've worn Timberlands, I've worn flat boots like that pretty much since I was 13 because they are comfortable. I'm older than you and I can remember girls when I was at school wearing Doc Martens because they were cool. Yes, they're cool, they're comfortable, they're great. Um, but for some reason, this author has wrapped it all up and saying uh, it's to do with queer style and queer visibility. But I know some lesbians who do not like wearing mm -hmm. flat shoes. I know lesbians who have like fabulously very uh, feminine style and stuff. And, and this is just, it's just stupid because she's saying that all lesbians dress the same, same and she's saying all straight women dress a certain way. Mm -hmm. Oh, and now this group is dressing like this group. So this woman, Identity fashion. Absolutely. Well, exactly. I'm the sorry, idea that we, um, that we have fashion that we then put into sexual orientation is just ludicrous. Don't we dress like a lesbian? It sounds a great band, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Wednesday's star is next. And this is a story that promises a lot. Great white sharks are swimming in the UK waters. And then about three paragraphs in, you come across the phrase, more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> More than likely, maybe the water's warmer, so they're moving in. My so favourite. They could. They come. could, they yeah. could possibly, maybe. We don't know. Um, but the, the 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 warning that the public have been warned that they're not pets. The idea <laughs> that we have to be warned that they're not pets. We have we have literally, you know, got to this stage as a society that we are so stupid that we have to be. T it's like what? the new re-record. They've pre-recorded on uh, airplanes now before putting your oxygen mask on to take your face mask off. So we're, we're, we have to be told to put, take our face mask off before we put our oxygen mask on. We have to be told that if you see a shark in the sea that they're not pets. Mate. I despair of us all. You have to be told that. You got, there are a couple of pubs, right? You go in those pubs, you're going to get a snake, you're going to get a leopard. <laughs> And a great white shark. the fish tank. Oh. Right, finally, we have the Daily Mirror and Diane, the TikTok traveller from the year 2743. <laughs> what is he saying? TikTok oh. man from the future. Well, Please. the TikTok man from the future, because he's, he's clearly real. Um, he has predicted that not only will we see Bigfoot, but also England will win the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, this Is guy... he English? I don't know. It's from the future. I mean, yeah, there is no, there is, there are no nation states in the future. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, it's good it's, point. It's just uh, exciting uh, because on on uh, you know some people have been arrested for being time travellers on TikTok, and uh, this guy um, has said that we're going to see Bigfoot, and there was there was something else. He's going to um, he posted an authentic photo. He's also said that um, there's going to be a, a, a trouble in New York City. I would like to believe well. it because nothing would surprise me anymore. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.